Today's Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training is in full swing. It's time to start thinking Yahoo Fantasy Baseball drafts. Flex your skills as a real GM. The new weekly lineup format makes it even easier. Use the Set Active Players feature to set up your lineup for the whole week in one tap. The Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Sign up now at yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. We're also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and pass those savings along to you. Not like resort places. They work with cool, top-rated hotels where you actually want to stay. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can actually book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. So if you want to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, download the Hotel Tonight app now. Before we get into the show, we want to urge you to check out TheRinger.com. The NCAA tournament is rolling. It's Sweet 16 week already, and we have a ton of college basketball content on the site. And if you're only following March Madness for NBA prospects, go read Jonathan Chark's piece on rounding up NFL draft stocks for prospects. And also tune into One Shining Podcast with Titus and Tate, as well as Draft Class on Fridays in this very feed. And now, The Ringer NBA Show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Concert, aka Kevin O'Conflict. Kevin! Hello to Chris Vernon, aka Verno Stradamus, aka Verno Damas, because of your call with Penny Hardaway getting hired by Memphis. Congrats. Oh, I wanted, I campaigned for him two years yeah. ago. They ended up going with Tubby Smith, then didn't give Tubby Smith time to even build anything. <laughs> so it's, it, I'm conflicted, right? Like on one hand, it's not the, it's not the best of situations, uh, with Tubby Smith. And that was kind of a, a bad situation with, after, you know, getting rid of him after two years, but certainly, uh, an NBA legend who has had his career, uh, marred by injury or could have been one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA, um, who, you know, is getting to lead his hometown team and the team that he played for in college. It is, it's going to be super exciting. It's, I would have never imagined that there would be a press conference where Penny Hardaway is standing up there taking questions about being the head coach at, uh, the University of Memphis, but here we are. And you know what? It's kind of cool. Chris Mullins at St. John's and Patrick Ewing is at, uh, at Georgetown. And, and some of these have worked out and some of them haven't. Obviously, the most famous one is Clyde Drexler at Houston, but I like the whole all time legend at the team being the coach of the team. That is a, that, that's a cool little sidebar to this, I think. It's pretty sweet. It's yeah. always nice when that happens. All right, Kevin. So we've had a lot of stuff go on since we last spoke, not the least of which I want to start with. And, oh, believe me, we'll get to the draft. So just for everybody that's tuned in to hear about the draft, we'll get to that. Although there's, like, virtually nobody left in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. But I, <laughs> oh, I kind of know what you want to talk about. <laughs> oh, I listen. I'm I'm, I'm loaded for bear. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> listen, that'll be a little bit later in the program. First, we will get to all the NBA news. And it was a week <laughs> ago, and I said, 
You know, Kev, you never know what's going to change in a week's time when we're doing these podcasts and that these seedings can change in either conference. That being said, one thing has not changed since we last spoke. And that is that the Blazers don't lose basketball games. No, they <laughs> they don't. have they have remained the three seed uh, in the Western Conference, and they have won thirteen games in a row. And this is a hell of a march to the end of the season because Portland has won thirteen in a row. Oklahoma City's won six. San Antonio's won four. Utah has won nine. And the Pelicans obviously have just won one in a row. But you have these teams that are all on winning streaks um, that are trying to keep these seeds alive. And, you know, like I said, Portland, 10 and 0 in their last 10. Oklahoma City, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Utah, 9 and 1 in their last 10. It looks like uh, the Clippers and the Nuggets are really up against it. Um, they're, they're only two games back from the Timberwolves. Obviously, two and a half games back from uh, Utah and the Pelicans. That being said, we're we're at the home stretch. There's only like 12 games left for most of these teams. What do you think? You know, it, it's interesting because a lot has changed, and yet there's still a lot, quite quite a lot of time left. Not a lot of time left. Like you said, only 10, 11, 12 games, you know, depending on every team's different. But... That's enough time to make up two games. I mean, if LA if LA gets hot or Denver gets hot and Minnesota stays cold, they could steal that spot. Uh, there's still a lot of time left. I I, I certainly think um, we've seen separation for Portland and Oklahoma City though. There's there's very very slim chance that either of them would ever miss it. And then San Antonio also winning four in a row against the Warriors minus Steph minus Clay minus Draymond minus KD. Um, they won a big game last night to give them a little bit of a cushion as well. Clearly a terrible time for the Clippers to lose three in a row and terrible break for Denver losing Gary Harris when they need him most. Yeah, yeah that's huge. Gary Harris, uh, you know, obviously Nikola Jokic is their their best player, but Gary Harris is their best two-way player because Jokic doesn't play a lick of defense and Gary Harris is good on both ends of the floor. Bad timing there. But even last night, they had that wild double overtime game against Miami. 141 points for Denver, gave up 149 to Miami and double OT. Uh, Jokic had a gigantic game, but thing with, I mean, I, I don't want to go off topic here, but Jokic got to get better on defense, man. He's got to, he's, he's got to get better on that, better on that end of the floor to really reach the potential that he can, especially when he's going to be getting paid because they're going to have to pay him soon. I'll tell you this, you know, who he, he has gotten the comps a lot over the years. I actually saw them in person um, over the weekend and obviously an incredibly disgusting loss on their end. The Grizzlies had lost 19 games in a row, for God's sakes. <laughs> and they came in, and Denver needs every game like blood, and they lose that game. And so I saw them, and it was, I mean, let's just say I wasn't impressed. But here's the thing on Jokic. He's drawn the comps to Marc Gasol a lot. He, um, and, and there's one thing about him that is like Mark in the sense that he is supremely talented. He is not in great shape, Kevin. Yeah. That's the thing, yep. you know, dedicate yourself to becoming in great, great shape. And he could be a radically different player. And that would help him greatly on the defensive end, as you say. And Jokic is only 23. Gasol wasn't even in the NBA yet. 
Right. He, he, his rookie year was when he was 24 years old. So it, it's like while, you know, I'm expressing concern about Jokic and you are as well, it's like, well, yeah, there's still a lot of time left for him to get into optimal shape and to become the defensive player that you at least hope he can be. I don't think he'll be a great defender like Gasol, but hopefully he can at least be average and translate his quick, light feet from offense to defense. Yeah, and you see so many because he is so supremely skilled. And, and these guys are young. Then they just wake up and, and sometimes it's a contract year, but sometimes they just do it on their own. Um, many times a contract year will actually encourage them. They will come back and they will be in the greatest shape of their lives. I.e., you know, listen, look what we've seen from Julius Randle. He's been a different player this year. And it is not a coincidence that he is in radically better shape than he was in his previous years in the NBA. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. And, and even Randall still needs to make strides as well because for him, it's, all shape, but also uh, instincts, ability to read the floor, and you know he's gotten a lot better. He's way better than I ever expected him to be. I I was I I didn't love him in the draft that year, but, but he's turned into a really good player. Okay, so San Antonio, we still got the weird Kawhi thing hanging out there, but they did get that big win last night. There was the concern or the wonder just in a week ago. A week ago, when we came on the air, I think they were in the tenth spot, weren't they? And now we look up. And they're in the fifth. They're the, right. They're the, they're the five seed and sir, and they're one and a half games back from having home court advantage. So, and, and we really have no more clarity on the Kawhi thing, which is, <laughs> that was a week ago too that that happened, right? I remember we recorded the podcast and then Tuesday afternoon it was like, Hey, he's not coming back on Thursday. And here we are a week later and he's still not back. I mean, you, you mentioned they're one and a half game backs from having home court. They're also just three games up from from being out of the playoffs because they got Washington, right. Utah, Milwaukee, Washington, Oklahoma City, Houston, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans to close the season. There's only one Oof. easy game in that schedule. This could go south quickly for them, uh, or yep. or they'll continue surging. Um, uh, granted, you know they. I mean, I think they had two nice wins against New Orleans and Minnesota over last last week. Golden State last night. They didn't have any of their best players. That was that was JV. Golden State, and, and even then, it was it was a lot closer than the score indicated until that fourth quarter, and when nobody on Golden State could stop Lamarcus Aldridge, he he was outstanding against uh, Javale McGee. <laughs> when we talk about these teams that have been um, yeah, great, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not exactly like he was going all, up against Aldridge, Bill. Yeah, Aldridge was really great against JaVale McGee and Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney, and uh, Zaza, yeah. Zaza did okay against them. He wasn't exactly going up against Bill Russell last no, night, okay? No, no, no. Um, uh, one of the things I did want to ask you is we have this uh, teams that have performed uh, much, much better than they did earlier in the season. And we can always be the victim of, you know, prisoners of the moment, recency bias, whatever you want to call it. But Portland has been on fire. Utah has been on fire. Who would you be more worried about seeing in a first round playoff matchup, Portland or Utah? Portland, uh, because they have, you know, two star scorers uh, compared to, you know, Utah. Utah is Utah. They, they're they're more of a, a great team. I, I don't I, I don't mean that against Portland. They also have a very good team. Um, but Utah's surge is very much uh, driven by Gobert's just a like he. Oh, man, he is he is ridiculously great on defense. I mean, we talked last week or the week before about awards, and we said Gobert might not have enough games played, but whew, 
man, I mean, it's it's hard to overlook him just because of games played because he is, makes such a significant impact on their defense. And then with his, on offense, with his ability to just a rim run, he's such a threat, opens things up for others. Portland, Portland's a team I would fear more, but it, it's it's not like I'm not scared of Utah. They're they're tough, man. They got a lot of good players on that team. They're deep. They can play different styles. Um, but so can Portland, and I just give them the edge because they have Lillard and McCollum um, that, that can really get buckets for you in a playoff situation. Pull up Utah's schedule, if you will, real quick. On March 5th, I had written down that Utah was 15 and four in games. Uh, since Gobert had returned to the lineup. So go from, if you can add the record from March 5th until right now. Seven wins in a row since then, starting with Orlando and then to Saturday night against Sacramento. Okay, then that would put them at 22-4 and four since Gobert came back. Man. I mean, that is outrageous. 22-4, and four, Kevin. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's, it's like, yeah, Gobert doesn't have a lot of games played, but dude, he is unbelievable on that end of the floor. He's the best defender in basketball right now. I mean, you're talking about that is like, what kind of pace is that? You're talking about 60 something win team on average with those, you know, if you just extrapolate that 22 and four, 69 win team. That's pretty nice. Yeah. 22 and four. That is pretty nice. <laughs> 22 and four. I think they are just crazy dangerous. I really do. I think Utah is the team that I don't want to see. And interestingly enough, that would be the matchup as of right now. Portland versus Utah. Hmm. And that I would not want to see them if that, I'm that, don't, that almost seems like unfortunate. I, I would love to see Houston versus Utah or Golden State versus Utah in the first round. But then again, I mean, look, th- like you could shuffle these matchups any way you want. They're all pretty damn good, right? I, I, I would be happy seeing the Spurs versus the Rockets in the first round. I would also be happy to see Kawhi come back in the, and, and actually be healthy and face the Warriors in the first round to see what would happen in like, like against a Warriors team that might be not totally healthy yet, depending on what happens with their guys uh, out right now. There's a lot of good matchups, dude. There's a lot. Well, of and here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Jimmy Butler comes back, that is a radically different Minnesota team. I mean, that's a team that was you know, third or fourth best team in the Western Conference for the majority of the season with Butler in the lineup, you would clearly rather see the Pelicans than the Timberwolves with Butler. But, I mean, it's it, it all comes down to that. The Pelicans are the one that, you know, you would want to see if you're one of the high seeds. I mean, and and that's no picnic either, considering Anthony Davis has been putting up like he could go for 40 and 20 any night. Yeah, it's like, um, I forget who said it, but someone on the broadcast said last night, you know, it's always nice to have the best player on the floor, right? And he was, ta- yep. uh, was talking about LaMarcus Aldridge in that situation. And it would, it would maybe be that with Anthony Davis, you know, if you're the Pelicans. Maybe regardless of the series, Davis might be the best player on the floor. I'm not saying that he is, but he might be. There's an argument to be made considering the dominant run uh, that he's been on as of late. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. That the New Orleans is the team that you would want to see, assuming Jimmy Butler were to come back to Minnesota. Well, because they'll run up and down with well, you. Actually, right? no, let me take that back. Are we factoring Kawhi returning to the Spurs? Because I think that 
needs to be factored in as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, we would factor in. Uh, we are we are saying uh, the hypothetical would be the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard, okay, yeah, the, okay. the Minnesota sure. Timberwolves sure. with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing. With the Spurs, with Utah, and, and even Timberwolves on a little lower level, those teams would be more than willing to drag a game into the mud and try to make these teams play a lower-scoring game. You know, that's the thing I worry about if you're, if you're Portland. That's the thing I worry about if you're the Pelicans is that once you get to the highest level, when you're playing against those teams, are you going to be able to keep the scores down or are you going to end up getting in a track meet? Because I look at it and say the way to make the Rockets uncomfortable, the way to make the Warriors uncomfortable is to ying, you know, while they yang. And, and that kind of feels like what the Spurs and Utah are built to do. They're built to try to get you to play a game in the 90s. Um, cause once you get up to 100, 110, you're now, now you're in real danger zone. That's, that's their comfort zone. If you're talking about, you know, Houston and Golden State, they both average damn near 115 points a game. And I don't think we should discount the, the chance the LA Clippers or the Nuggets get in because granted they have tougher strengths of remaining schedules than the other teams in it right now. They also have common games against those teams that they're trying to leapfrog. You know, the, the Nuggets face Minnesota twice, right? They also face the Clippers. The Clippers have games against, I believe, San Antonio and New Orleans and Denver and Minnesota as well. Actually, actually, the Clippers face Minnesota tonight. And so these are the games that can close the gap drastically by the time we speak again next week. Those teams certainly are, are have the odds stacked against them right now, but they're not out of it totally. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, I want to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training's in full swing, and it's time to start thinking about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball drafts. Flex your skills as a real GM and crush your league with the Yahoo Fantasy app. The Yahoo Fantasy app is the number one mobile app in fantasy baseball. Draft, trade, and manage your team right on your phone. The new weekly lineup format makes it easier to run your team all season. Use Set Active Players feature to set your lineup for the week in just one tap. Sign up now. Yahoo.com slash Fantasy Baseball. Create your own league or join a public league. Don't miss out on baseball season. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Today's Ringer NBA show also brought to you by Sonos. So I got a Sonos, and I will tell you, I'm not one of those big uh, tech guys. Not someone that would be all that interested in surround sound or Bluetooth speakers in all my rooms and whatever else. But I got this, and my opinion has changed dramatically. I've got the surround sound in my living room, and then I have a Bluetooth speaker in my kitchen, and I've got one in my bedroom, and I've locked it into my phone. So I have Apple Music, I've got Spotify, TuneIn Radio, all these things that are on my phone, the apps, and that Sonos connects directly to it. This has been a total game changer in my house. Whether I'm listening to music in my room or in my kitchen, or I can take the speakers outside. If I'm outside, I absolutely love love this product and the speakers sound totally amazing. The home theater is great. It's great when you're watching games, especially throughout this NCAA tournament. And like I said, I've got everything locked in to the speakers. So now I already had like Bluetooth uh, headphones. So now I just lock it into the Sonos and anywhere I am in the house, I can play music, podcast, anything I want to listen to. It's the absolute best. And now Sonos is offering listeners of the Ringer NBA show 10% off one order of $2,500 or less 
for any product on Sonos.com. Just use the promo code RINGER10, capital RINGER10, at Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only. It cannot be combined with any other discounts or promotions. And back to the show. The biggest story in the NBA, at least so far this week, has been Tyron Lue stepping aside. Before we get into the Eastern Conference standings, we do need to mention that Tyron Lue is stepping aside, and there is no real timetable. As I said, when we were talking about the standings, there's only like 12 games left, right? Kevin Love came back, and Tyron Lue was gone last night in the Cavs' win against the Bucks. And just reading all of the reporting on this, it did not seem like a necessarily sudden decision. It had been something that he had been going through throughout the week. I mean, I read the one where it said he doesn't really know what's going on. There is no real diagnosis. But at one point they said that he like did not go to bed until like 9.30 a.m. Yeah. One morning and that he's obvious, like it has worn on him health-wise in a major way. When I read those stories yesterday, it is always strange when you don't really know what's going on. On the other hand, the easy answer would be, yeah, it's incredibly unhealthy to be going to bed at 9.30 a.m., right? These teams have shoot-arounds by like 10.30, and then they got games at night. And so something is clearly awry here, and he's really going through it off the court. It, it sounds similar to the Steve Clifford situation earlier this season when when he had to get his sleep problems adjusted to, to fix the headaches that he was having. And we don't know it's that for Lou. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's the type of thing like when Clifford stepped down, they didn't announce it. Maybe they just haven't announced it with Lou. I hope I hope that's something. I hope it's that because that seems like something yep. that you can be solved. Hopefully it's nothing more major than that. But for sure, Chris, the, the demand and the stress – a lot of the executives and coaches have is 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 really unfathomable. I, I've talked to a couple of executives that say they get you know during the season on average like two to three hours of sleep a night, and it's like why? Like how, how do you not get more than that? It's, well, because sometimes it's like they're working three different jobs with the with the amount of responsibility they have, and like nobody's complaining because they 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 work in the NBA. They're they're, they're living out their dream, um, but the demand is significant, and, and for some people, it, it's harder to find that time to get sleep um, than it is for others, depending on on what their job demands. And like for the coaches, right? Um, like with Ty Lu not going to bed till 9.30 a.m. I know Jackie McMullen and her story on, on, on the Nets last season, she mentioned how Kenny Atkinson, sometimes he's another one of those guys who doesn't get a lot of sleep. I think s- some, some people are, are mentally able to handle not getting a lot of sleep. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so, but some people I do know can handle that. Um, maybe because of they, maybe because they've done it their whole life. Maybe, maybe may, I don't know. I'm not going to play a doctor here, but I, I just hope Ty Lue is able to get himself fixed. Well, and here's the thing, Kev. It, I, clearly, that is a team that has not lived up to expectations this no. year and has had an entire roster overhaul. And so it's just you know, it, at some point, it becomes cumulative. It's just wearing on For you sure. and wearing on a you and wearing stress. on you. Yeah, it really is because that sometimes can be the more stressful situation. There's teams that lose regularly. Um, but they're like when you are expected to win all the time, right? Because you're coaching LeBron James's team 
And then you're not. And then the whole right? roster changed. <laughs> I know. And then you've got a, and then in the, in, in mid season, you've got to flip the whole thing over. And then you're talking about emotional swings. Just think about this. Think about what, the way we were all talking about him. They played that Sunday day game on ABC against Boston. You remember that? Yep. And it was like, holy mackerel. Imagine when they practice. I mean, they were just locked in. Expe- I mean, Everything flipped. We were prisoners of the moment at that time. And now as as things have gone on, they don't look nearly as like it's almost like they looked so devastating in that you know initial game that I think we all went, whoa now. Like maybe this is perfect. You got you got Hood and you got Clarkson, you got Hill. These guys can knock down shots, they can run up and down the court with LeBron. My God, and they don't even have Kevin Love back. Imagine when they really get some practices under their belt that this is, it's clearly they're better suited now than they were prior to the trade deadline. But we probably overreacted to our first impression of what they were going to look like. And clearly they have not played to the level that our first impression indicated they might. For sure. But then again, and you say that, but then again, LeBron James last night is in playoff mode. He was the, the first first guy 33 years old or older to log a 40-point triple-double since Larry Bird. Larry Bird is the only one, according to the Basketball Reference Database. And then Kevin Love was back, and Kevin Love looked pretty good last night. Not just you know hitting threes, but also playmaking. Um, so... It's it's the type of thing where yes the team looked amazing after initially after the trade and then they fell off, but it's still you can't judge them entirely because now they got their other star back in Kevin Love, a guy great scorer, great playmaker, um, and LeBron James is still LeBron James, dude. He's still LeBron. We saw that last night. I mean, imagine if we would get to see those guys match up because overshadowed by that forty point uh, ridiculous performance that LeBron had. Giannis had 37, 11, and 5. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see some kind of a playoff matchup where those are those teams are included, right? If we could get uh, somehow uh, Cleveland versus uh, Milwaukee because then we would get to see LeBron versus Giannis over the course of a series. And clearly, they went toe-to-toe last night. I mean, I think that's that's the variable here is, you know, yeah, you can say Toronto's the favorite, and I w- wouldn't argue against that. You can say, oh, yeah, maybe Boston, you know, has an opportunity too. But LeBron James always has another gear that he can reach. He always has another level. Um, and I know after the game on NBA TV, Isaiah Thomas, uh, not the not the ex-Cavalier, the, the ex-Piston, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, said that he thinks, you know, he'd take LeBron James over, over Michael Jordan. And and I'm not, we're not going to get into LeBron versus Jordan, but his point was is that LeBron can beat you in any way as a playmaker, as a rebounder, as a defender, as a scorer. Um and that was an example of that in last night's game. I, I think. Oh God! It was. His point was his point was that Michael Jordan kept him off the '92 Dream Team. That's what his point was. Don't tell me about Isaiah Thomas. I know that was totally his point, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is what he said was exemplified last night in the game against Milwaukee. Like we saw all of it from LeBron James. He showed all the goods. He was extraordinary, and he's 33. He's 33 years old. Just don't do like, please don't take LeBron James for granted. I'm not. Nobody's taking it for granted. All right. Why do you always talk about it? Because some people do. It can all go away. Ken Griffey Jr. seemed like he was going to become the greatest player ever and was going to break Hank Aaron's home run record. And then he started getting all these hamstring injuries. It can go away quickly. 
All right, here's what I'm going to say. Just don't quote Isaiah Thomas. (laughs) Isaiah Thomas would take friggin' Reggie Jackson over over Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Of of all the people to quote about Michael Jordan, he ain't the one. He put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar number one as well. By the way, you know, I had never met him before, and I was around him at at Summer League. Have you ever been around him, Isaiah Thomas, the Piston? I've seen him in the flesh once, but I've never okay. spoken to him or anything. All right, so I did. I, I sat down with him for a long time uh, at Summer League because um, he called Summer League games for NBA TV. So I sat down with him for a long time, and I will tell you that it was the t- w- w- when you are in his presence, like when you're around him, he smi- He has like this smile that is from ear to ear. Everybody knows, right? He's always like laughing and having fun, <laughs> and he's always. He is one of the most charming people I have ever met in my life. And it's that moment where, you know, like he's obviously had, you know, things in his past. He's obviously, you know, people kill him for, you know, the job he did with the Knicks and whatnot. And, and he's, and he's, yeah, court cases, all manner of things. The, the, the Florida international thing was a disaster. You forget about literally everything I'm telling you when you're in that guy's presence. He has this power, this, this personality that just, overwhelms you um and i see like how he has been you know how he has gotten so many jobs and I, I can only imagine somebody talking to him for 10 minutes and just be oh, oh being overcome by the guy <laughs> he is like and he's he's incredibly nice too Me just too. like honestly one of the most charming people i've ever met but i do not take what he says about michael jordan seriously <laughs> maybe he'll convince you that lebron's better than michael jordan let's get, give him 10 I'll, minutes how dare you? He probably could. He probably could convince me of anything. Um, in the Eastern Conference, we touched on some of those teams. Unbelievably, uh, Indiana still holding tight to a home court advantage. Uh, they are only one or half a game back from Cleveland as the three seed. They're also just one game up from the six seed Sixers. I mean, the Sixers are in striking range of not only making the playoffs this year, but having home court advantage for the playoffs this year, like real striking range. You're talking a game and a half back from the three seed as it stands right now, which would be rather incredible of those teams. Let's just go by what it's uh, how it stands now when we're talking about teams five through eight, because we know this is all going to get juggled around because Milwaukee's six games up on the Pistons. So we know the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs, but uh, from teams five through eight, Washington, Philadelphia, Miami, the Bucks. Who scares you the most as a first-round opponent of those four teams? Philly, probably, depending on if John Wall gets integrated and, and, and they play the same style, the better ball movement like they have sort of as of lately. But Philadelphia, Joel Embiid um, is one of the game's dominant forces, so Philly, Philly would be my choice. Philly, even though they have no playoff experience. I mean, you do have guys on yeah, Washington. Uh, I mean, yeah. Those but, other teams yeah, all have I mean, playoff. You, do, you don't buy that. Yeah, I mean, experience matters, but you can also say the same thing about a lot of guys in Indiana, right? You can say Victor Oladipo doesn't necessarily have a lot of playoff experience aside from last year with Oklahoma City. You can say that about Milwaukee. Giannis doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. He's been, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. I think with Philly, um, they have the ability to beat you different ways. I, I do worry about how Ben Simmons adapts in a playoff situation where it's more of a half-court-based game. But look, Joel Embiid is one of the game's best players right now. All right, last thing we've got to get to is 
the NBA draft. Apologize for DeAndre Ayton. Oh, boy. I don't know what there is to apologize for. We already know he's got these weaknesses. That's who he is. I'll apologize for Arizona. <laughs> no. I'm not apologizing for DeAndre Apologize I, to me for DeAndre Ayton. I'm apologizing for picking Arizona to win it all because of my stupid bracket just wanting all the NBA draft prospects to move on. <laughs> Because if I were to apologize now, you're going to have to apologize when the Grizzlies draft them number one or he number two or three. getting drafted number one. Okay, then maybe break. they'll take him number three. By the Grizzlies, I mean. Come on. Come on, man. How- I, and you know what? He is literally the anti-Kevin O'Connor. He does not stretch the floor all that well, he and he does not protect the what? rim. Dude, are we watching the same player? Oh, stop. I'm not apologizing stop. for DeAndre Ayton's team stinking against He's taking like 30 college threes all season. I mean, so it's not exactly like he's banging 35. down. Yeah. The whole year they play 40 friggin' games. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he can't take more. Oh, God. Look, last weekend's game was one of 35. Yep. And, and in actuality, it's more like one out of 800 because the, the people scouting him say international competition, high school competition, draft workouts, you know, kind of having him in for interviews. That's, that's a small part of the equation. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm, not, I'm not sorry. I am sorry for Arizona, though. Well, here's what I will say. You should be apologizing to me. And Why? the Grizzlies are going to draft them. And it was the one it was one of how many ever you want to say. It would also happen to be the biggest one. That's what I would say. Yeah. It happened to be the biggest. Yeah, one. Whatever. It's like Coach Cal calls it for all his guys. It's a it's a gap year. Yeah, well, I will say this. Coach Cal's team's in the Sweet 16 every damn year. This is a very—I I got banged up for saying that I thought this was a weak draft, that this was an overrated draft. <laughs> and now you look, we got the Duke kids, the Kentucky kids, Bridges from Nova, Williams, the big kid who's a project from A&M, and then— uh, you know, maybe at the very tail end, you get like a, a first round, maybe a Devontae Graham. But other than that, I mean, we're talking like maybe five, six guys left in the Sweet 16. Not a lot. But guess who's still going overseas? Luka Doncic. Oh, he is? I don't think he would have gotten bounced in the first round. Is Alexi Sved still uh, leading that <laughs> oh, league in scoring? come on. Is he? <laughs> you for I was real? just checking. I was just checking. Is he? Oh, come on. <laughs> hey, I, I tell you this. I saw, hey, last time I checked. Hey, last time I checked, former Grizzlies third point guard Nick Calathis was in the top 10 in scoring in oh that league. Oh, my goodness. Pierre Jackson was like third. Pierre Jackson. Who's leading the league? I got, I got the numbers up. Yes. <laughs> Shred is still leading the league in scoring <laughs> the Euro League. So now you want to tell me about numbers the guy's putting up? And then Gary O'Neill is leading the, uh, the Spanish league. And then the rest of them league. are all like either NBA flameouts or can't make a roster. Yeah, but here's the thing. The, the the Euro League in the Spanish League is a league of men, 28, 29, 30 years old. It's physical, high intensity, high level of competition. They're not playing against teenagers. It's also not a lot of athletes. Their games are under development. You know who came from Spain? You know who came from playing overseas? Your favorite player, Marc Gasol, dude. Come on. Of course, Marcus Gasol also played American high school <laughs> yeah, basketball. Yeah, but you would have been saying that about Marcus Gasol. No, I wouldn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, so the leagues changed back in my day where Marcus Sol came up in Spain. No, oh, hold on now. It was the second best league in the this world. This is what I've said, okay? And and you remember this as long as you live, Kevin. Somebody very wise told me this once upon a time. When you are talking about the players internationally, size oh. translates. Dodge to six foot eight. The whole 
Friggin' NBA is 6'8". <laughs> what are you talking about? What? Okay, He's 6'8". Pull up the YouTube top 10 okay, Luka Doncic hey. highlights. I, I don't know if he can touch the net. This guy is, he's just not, he is not an athlete. He is, he has to be so supremely skilled that it overwhelms his lack of athleticism. And it may, it may. I, I have not told you that I don't think that he's going to be, an, uh, uh, that he doesn't have a chance to be an outstanding player. I have very real questions. And when I say size, you either think about all the guys. For the most part, they are like freaks of nature. They're Giannis, they're Dirk, they're Porzingis, they're these type of guys, or they're the big guys. They are Mark, they are Jokic, they are Rudy Gobert, they are size. Size translates, when, it, but what has not translated as well is perimeter guys. And there are some that are outliers, obviously Ginobili. Uh, Goran Dragic would be a good example, right, who happens to be, I think that, you know, Bogdanovich is good. He's not somebody you would take in the top five of an NBA draft. Hito Torgolu was good. He's not somebody you would take in the top five of an NBA draft. And so I'm just saying it's it's few and far between. He's like nobody I've ever seen in my entire life, even though I watched Ricky Rubio at 15 years old playing against friggin' Jason Kidd. I get it. He's the new... Like nobody's ever been like him ever in the history of basketball. And so he is different than everybody else that's ever played. And so there are no comparisons. But Rubio is six foot four and Doncic is a, is a six foot eight, six foot nine point guard. And his jumper at this stage is probably better than Rubio's was at the same age. Oh, for sure. Rubio, listen, he, he still to this day is a guy that you go under screens against. For sure. You know? I just I'm, I just have questions on that. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. And I don't think that it's necessarily easy to figure out based upon competition. I'm not saying it's anywhere close to the NBA. All I'm saying is that it's better than college basketball. That's it. Literally I'm just it. talking about the highest level talent. That's all I'm talking about. But look, that, here's the thing. A good 26-year-old, 27-year-old player in his prime in Europe is probably better than right right now than a high upside 17, 18, 19. I'm telling kid. you, Marvin Bagley could go to the Euro League next year and be the best player for a decade. That's what I'm telling you. I it's absolutely fair. believe that. So put him overseas right now. Next year. Instead of going to the NBA, he just goes and plays in the Euro League. He'd be the best player for a decade if he stays healthy. I wouldn't disagree with that. But what I'm saying oh. right now is he's he's a teenager. Right. And and we're not talking just about the top guys. We're talking about everybody else on the team. We're talking about the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth guy on a college roster. Like those are the guys I'm talking about. Like Pierre Jackson was a really, really good college basketball player. And he had a cup of coffee in the NBA. It's not like he sucks. He stunk in the NBA, but he was really good in college. Right. And yet he's one of the top five scorers in the league. Yeah. There. Oh, God. He is. Like, Alexi Shved leads the league yeah. in scoring. Just stop. All right. I don't, we, I don't wanna... we are going in circles, Chris. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Then let me ask you this. Let me just okay. wrap up yeah. on the draft. You said that it's only one game when it comes to the NCAA tournament, and that is your defense for DeAndre Ayton's ridiculously horrible performance. That being said, has your opinion changed one way or the other about any potential draft prospects based upon the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Not really. No. No? No. That Bridges' second half was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, 
Yeah. Mikel, I mean, yeah, yeah, Mikel thing Not is, Miles. Yeah, God yeah, bless. Yeah, Miles, <laughs> they, Miles isn't, I will tell you this. Yeah, there is no, Euro, hey, in fairness, Kevin, there is no Euro League team that would go like eight for 38 from three <laughs> <laughs> against Syracuse. That was maybe the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. I had Michigan State winning the whole thing, by the way. And by, oh, I cooled a little bit on Jaron. He didn't get to play. I don't know why is it, I mean, whatever. But is it, there's nobody in this particular tournament that swayed you one way or the other. <laughs> not, not really, to be honest with you. I, I think with some of the guys, it's it's the same thing. It's like I said earlier with Aiton, the, the questions we had before the game against Buffalo are still the questions we had now. Like with Michael Porter, he didn't look yeah. that good, but some of the weaknesses right. that he that he showed were the same weaknesses that he had in high school, like ball handling and the ability to turn the corner, or the ability to to. Uh, Play intense, tough basketball. Um, like with Colin Sexton, that's decision making. Still, it's with Trey Young, it's the same thing it was before. I, I mean, I don't know if a lot has changed. I still like the guys that I like, uh, I, but I, but I certainly am looking forward to this weekend to seeing uh, some people do. All right, last up. last thing. It feels like the guy from Kentucky, the one that's taken Shea, over, Shea Gildas Alexander, or. Yeah, it feels like the SEC tournament and this uh, first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament have had a profound impact on the perception of him. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I mean, we had him, I, I know Charks had him number 10 in our, our mock draft last month, I want to say, and then we have him featured in the the Ringers 2018 NBA draft guide. I'm a big uh, Gilgis Alexander fan, and he's really showing up in the in, in, um, in the tournament so far. Yeah, and that NBA draft guide, I will say this. I do think that that NBA ringer draft guide is unbelievable. I do. Thank you. That, that's a lot of work that has gone into that. The artwork on it's good. It's I, I like it quite a bit. I do. Yeah, the, the design team is, I don't know how they do it. They're geniuses. So it's, it's a lot yeah, of fun. They, it, it, it's great doing it as a, te- a team. I love doing it here. It's fun. Yeah. And I know that's being updated on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Kevin, enjoy the week, my brother, and I'll talk to you next week. You as well, Chris. Hopefully the Grizzlies keep winning games, <laughs> a.k.a. losing, to, to maintain their, their stranglehold on the top two, top three odds. I'm wishing for the best, Chris. You are. Well, listen, game on the line last night against Brooklyn. Got it done. Down three. Hey, listen, you can always count on Andrew Harrison. <laughs> he just walked. He walked right up and bricked a three to lose the game. <laughs> Go Grizzlies. Get it done, baby. Woo! Go Grizz. Uh, all right. I'll talk to you next week. See you, Chris. Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. If you think what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. Anything.